Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, promoting pathological positivity. As always, here at Live on Purpose Radio, I have an amazing guest with me. And this man has been on my hit list for a while. In fact, Chris, I hit you up, what, about a year and a half ago, something about like a year. that, initially. Uh-huh. And then there was a little job change or something happened and the scheduling didn't work out. Anyway, we finally got you in the studio here today. Folks, this is Chris Williams. Some of you will immediately recognize his name and others of you will think, who? Who is Chris Williams? And my introduction to you, Chris, I, um, I knew about you before I met you. And that's probably true of a lot of people you run into. Uh, you had an experience that I think you're going to share with us a little bit here today on the show. Several years ago, a very tragic experience uh, where you learned some important things. And there was a video that was made of that that was put up on a church website. Correct. uh, That I was able to view, and it it really touched me, Uh, really rang a chord with me for a lot of reasons that we'll get into uh, share a little bit about that story. I think as you do that, Chris, people are going to start to recognize who you are and, and why I wanted you here on the show. Sure. You know, it's interesting. So February 9th, 2007 was kind of the defining night um, so far in my life. And that uh, prior to that, I was your standard family man. I was uh, serving as a bishop in, in a lay clergy position with my church and mm-hmm. um, Married to my wife, Michelle Dorney Williams, for uh, almost 20 years, and we had four children together at that point, and we were anxiously expecting a fifth to be yeah. born to us in uh, May of 2007, but uh, kind one of evening... the textbook life at that point, right? Exactly. I mean, we, it, everything was going wonderfully, and, uh, and we were just about to have an opportunity to, I, I guess, come to know the Savior a little bit more personably than we had uh, previously um, and that was on February 9th. We were just, as a family, going to get some food or a, actually a little treat for my son Samuel, who was six at the time. Mm. And at 9 o'clock at night, we're going under an underpass in Salt Lake City, one of the very few underpasses that goes underneath the freeway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that underpass, it's you're in a situation where you have a limited ability to see those the oncoming traffic. But as we started to dip down beneath the freeway, I saw a pair of headlights coming at us at just this incredibly fast rate of speed. It's a 30-mile-an-hour zone, and, and these headlights are coming at us at above freeway speed, 70-plus wow. uh, mile an hour. And so we had no real opportunity or ability to get out of the way yeah. of the oncoming car, and, and we were broadsided or uh, T-boned by the car. Oh. And um, you know, immediately after the impact, uh, I was awake and aware of, of what had happened. Um, the pain hadn't you know, hit immediately yet. Uh, you were driving the car. And I was driving the car. Mm-hmm. And my wife was in the passenger seat, and then the three children were in the, the, the rear seat. Um, but as I started to come to, realizing that we had been catastrophically hit, um, I desperately reached first for my wife to see if she was okay. And and she was um, just kind of in a almost a fetal position, just curled up on her chair, um, 
with her hair draped over her face, and I desperately felt for a pulse on her wrist and, and could feel no pulse. Oh. Um, and then, of course, my thoughts turned to my children in the back seat. I saw my son, Benjamin, kind of leaning against this imploded car door with a, a significant gash on his head and that wasn't bleeding. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever cut your head, you know that a, a head wound bleeds, even if it's a scratch, and, and there was nothing there. And, and that was um, uh, immediately a sense that perhaps he was gone as well. And, wow. and then finally being able to turn further into the back seat, I saw my daughter, Anna, uh, leaning slightly forward, but with her hair veiled over her face as well. And interestingly enough, I didn't see any indication of, uh, of trauma to her body, but uh, before I could even begin to hope that she had perhaps survived... Um, I just felt in my soul, really, mm. that she too was gone. You just uh, knew. But that, level, but that, that yeah. was the extent of it, that uh, my wife uh, and our wow. child we were expecting, and then my son Benjamin and my daughter Anna. Um, and interestingly enough, when I got that thought that that was the extent of it, I didn't seek to kind of additionally wonder or worry about my son Samuel, who was seated directly behind me. He was right behind you. I uh, couldn't see him, I couldn't hear him, but um, I just knew that he wasn't a concern at that moment. He was uh, going to make it. But what's interesting about that experience for me in my wow, personal Chris. life is just that the, the soul-compressing grief that came right after that, uh, just being so very alone, very um, in pain, Yeah, in a, in more than physical. The physical was really nothing compared to the fact that I just felt so compressed, um, mm. having that separation and, and just feeling that the, the initial traumatic nature of what I had just experienced. It was almost overwhelming. Uh, in fact, so much so that at one point right. I, I heard this unbelievably agonizing voice. I thought it was coming from you know outside the car, somewhere else, but except for me. But as I started to wonder where that voice came from and, and wanting it to stop, I realized it was my own. It was you. Just you know, expressing kind of that soul, uh, heart-rending grief that uh, given the situation I was in. Right. Wow, just to hear you telling this story again, and I've heard you tell the story before, and I know you've practiced telling it for years now. It's hard to imagine. Hard to, hard to picture that. I'm sure that you felt that at the time. It's, what a surreal, unbelievable experience that is. It was. It, um, and, and looking, and a lot of this now, it, obviously, it's looking back and, and having... Sure kind of gone through it and, and, and run over it so many, many times. And as you mentioned, talking about it so many, many times. But what stands out in that specific instance was just to experience my own nothingness. In other words, my, my true inability to, to really make you know, any changes to what had happened um, and the realization in that that I was really quite helpless to direct um, the healing that... I knew it was going to come, but maybe not in that instant. Mm. Right. But just knowing that I needed to rely on a larger and a higher power to get me forward from that. I think if it right. weren't for that knowledge, I would have just given, I wanted to get, in fact, I did kind of want to give up at one point. I, well, that's the natural human response. Absolutely. To in fact, that kind I, of an experience. I mean, between us, I, I remember just trying to th- like will myself out of my body, thinking, okay, that's it. I, I want to okay, die, I'm too. I'm going to. Right. <laughs> I want to follow oh, my wife my and my children. I'm done with this. Now, you had another son who was not in the car with you. 
Correct. Our oldest son, Michael, was uh, at a basketball game that night. And in fact, the road was quite packed with with cars uh, exiting the the basketball game that had just let out that he was at. So so it was a very busy road. And and it has also kind of made me remark that I guess of all the families that were on the road that night, ours was perhaps the best prepared to experience that, that calamity. That's quite a that's quite a perspective. I think what saved me, though, is just, you know, as I looked at the car that had just struck us, it was overturned up about 100 feet in the road. And and with that grieving and the sense of nothingness and and the soul-compressing pain that I felt, uh, it was a pivotal moment. I really could have gone a couple of different ways. I I certainly could have chosen uh, anger uh, and a desire for retribution, a a frustration, a a time to shake the hand at, uh, at heaven and say, this is unjust, it's unfair. Uh, but fortunately, mm-hmm. personally, I believe that, that our Savior Jesus Christ was there um, in the Spirit. You know, he's, he's said He would succor His people, which means to run to them. Mm. And I believe that He was there to run to me, uh, w- really with an invitation to have faith in Him, to uh, for Him to heal me. And the invitation came in the form of three words, which were, I believe, kind of presented to my spirit or to my mind. Mm-hmm. And the three words were, let it go. I needed let to, to let this go, that I... Because of that nothingness I felt, I didn't have the power to change what had happened, and right. I wasn't going to have the power to exact retribution or justice or vengeance or anything else. I mm. merely had to just let this go and let um, others that had that power, namely the Savior, um, intervene in my behalf and, and heal my life. Now, the young man who was driving the other car, as I recall, was was not injured severely in that accident, at least not physically. Correct. Yeah, he was able to exit the car and to kind of stumble off uh, several blocks, actually, which is where he was found by the police that evening. Wow. So, and for you listeners who are familiar with this story, you, might, you may have already thought this through a little bit, but as you imagine this situation, it would be easy. As you said, Chris, you can go a number of different directions. You could form a really healthy grievance about all of this. Now, that's a an oxymoron, obviously. I don't know that there is a healthy grievance, but a big one, one that could consume your life. And you took a different route, and that's what was inspiring to me about the video that I saw that was online. We'll put up a little link so that people can see that if they're curious about what we're talking about. But in that video, it depicts you actually reaching out to this young man in forgiveness, which probably didn't originate from you because you're, I know you're a very spiritual man. And as you, as you give credit to your higher power for not only introducing this topic to you, but actually walking you through it, uh, you probably needed some help with that as you were interacting with this young man. I would imagine. Absolutely. And I think that was a key um, realization throughout this is, of course, initiated by the nothingness I felt of, of my, mm-hmm. my inabilities and, and my own weaknesses. But uh, more than that, just an opportunity to um, pick up a different kind of burden. And, you know, it, it, as I mentioned, it, my own personal beliefs, I, as believing in the Savior and, and uh, Jesus Christ, you know, we walk the earth. He talked about... Um, presenting our burdens to him and then, you know, picking up his burden, which is light. Um, and that if we were to do that, that mm-hmm. he would heal us and, and help us move forward. I mean, he, his invitation is to come unto him, all ye that are heavy labored. 
and he will mm-hmm. give us rest. And so um, in doing that, I found that his burden was one of service and charity and love, uh, which was very interesting because my natural wow. inclination was to not feel that, especially towards the person that had introduced this, this pain into my life and the separation right. from my wife and children. Uh, but as he promised to, to heal me and as he kind of continued to help me to, to let it go and to continue to let it go, uh, he further taught me that I really needed to take the next step, which is to extend mercy to those that um, had offended me and my family. And in this specific situation, it was the young man that was driving that car. So you and you mentioned that you have held positions uh, in the clergy of, of your church um, which I'm also familiar with because I'm a member of the same church and I've had some of those same positions. We teach this stuff all the time, right, to the members of the church. But you really got to practice it. You got to come face to face with what you had been teaching people all these years. Absolutely. And wow. I found that... Um I found that that reliance on that higher power was critical because you know my natural inclination day after day was to go back on that commitment I had made in the car to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that came in the form of, as an example of, you know, w- when I felt um, a new change in my life that I had to deal with because of that crash, mm-hmm. once again, the, the temptation would come or the inclination, the natural inclination would be to, to get angry and frustrated and say, you know, if it weren't for that crash, I wouldn't have to be dealing with this or with that. Right. Um, because those changes and those problems and those new circumstances that were caused because of that life event, they just came every day seemingly for, for, for a long time. And in fact, they still come. Sure. Um, so once again, I had to, to recommit every single time to continue to let it go. It wasn't just a one-time event. It's something that I had to recommit to time and time and time again um, to remind myself that, okay, I, I let it go then, I can let it go now. And I can move forward from this without it completely destroying my life. This let it go idea, powerful. I think as we come back from the break, I'd like to really dive into that and see how that relates to other areas of our life. So we'll be right back, folks. heard the question a hundred times is the glass half empty or half full if we are in negativity mode we see the glass is half empty anyone can see it's half empty when we are feeling negative we focus on what is missing and lament the lack of water in the glass when we are feeling more positive we see the glass is half full of course it is half full anyone can see that we focus on what we desire and celebrate the presence of water then there are those who see it as completely full all the time These seemingly crazy people are not just positive, they are pathologically positive. Pathological positivity is an empowering mental supernormality that lifts us above the normal perception of reality. It is a higher level of thinking. We see the glass and our lives as completely full, even in the toughest situations. If you've enjoyed Live On Purpose Radio, then you will love Dr. Paul Jenkins' book on pathological positivity. Available now to order, visit pathologicalpositivity.com to get your copy today. That's pathologicalpositivity.com. Hey 
Thank you for listening to Live on Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com The bad news is, time flies. The good news is, you're the pilot. Michael Altshuler If you could just see me and Chris doing this little dance. <laughs> Does that music get you going, Chris? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we're actually a couple of stuffy old guys, so anyway. I should just speak for myself. Is that no, what you're no, thinking? No, <laughs> Chris, thank you for sharing that story. Um, it's a little hard to hear, you know, because it hits so close to home. Uh, I remember when this event happened. Um, I was doing, I just started into radio actually at about the time that this event happened in your life. And, uh, and I remember hearing the news story. I didn't know you at the time and didn't have any connection with your family, except that it looked a lot like mine. And that's where it hit close to home as I started to imagine, wow, what if that happened for me? And this is, we were talking a little bit during the break about how this story, this event has taken on a bit of a life of its own. Uh, even though it happened to you, it's not really about you. You know what I mean by Correct. that? No, absolutely. I think that is part of the, the healing process. Um, a very positive part of the healing process is how my experience has been able to positively impact the lives of others. Right. Um, and as I have seen that impact it's a couple of things. First, it's that my wife and my children didn't die for nothing, that Mm -hmm. their death means now something, that their life actually continues to mean something. And increasingly so every day I hear somebody that has been touched by hearing how this story has impacted them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the second thing about a healing perspective is just for me personally, it makes it easier to continue to let it go when I see the good that's coming from the tragedy and, and realizing that, you know, there could have been more casualties, uh, perhaps maybe not right. f- uh, physical casualties, but uh, life casualties and, you know, other people getting angry or uh, f- kind of having their life stop, for, for example, their, their progression in their life stop. Right. Because um, I have unfortunately met people that can't let it go, that have been offended. Mm. And it seems like their life is completely consumed by the anger and the frustration that they have felt. And they've kind of been able, unable to move forward in their lives uh, because of whatever accident, you know, or, or trial or offense happened to them years ago. Right. And uh, you know what? That's where my mind's going with this, Chris. You keep throwing out this phrase as if everybody knows what it means. Let it go. Let it go? 
How <laughs> could you possibly do that? Because you're not talking about forgetting. You can't possibly forget or ignore that this thing happened. So what do you mean when you say let it go? So I, I guess one of the closest explanations for what it means to let it go is is found in the serenity prayer, which I really enjoy mm. um, how it's stated. It just says in that prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Right. And I think that wisdom is, is what comes to us when we really start to analyze what we truly can and can't let go of. Um, and I think when we right. start to analyze it, we realize we can let go of everything. There's, there's really nothing that, that we have to hold on to uh, in this life by way of things that hold us back. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are, if it's a fear, you know, we can find the strength to let it go. It may take some time, but we can let it go. If it's an offense uh, or somebody that's wronged us, we can let it go. If it's a, a physical impediment that we've been born with, we can find a way to, to, you know, let go of the negative aspects of that and find the positive in it and, and move forward. So it really is an attitude change. It's a mindset change. It's a worldview change. Um, for, for me, I relied on my faith to help me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for others, it may be um, you know professional uh, help that helps them to kind of move on and, and let it go, uh, and for mm-hmm. others, it might be friends and family and and loved ones that you know encourage them to, to to let it go and not let those issues or or moments define their lives. Going so forward. we're we're not talking here about some kind of crazy denial or ignoring these painful things that are sure to happen. Um, it's it's really more about letting go of our current thinking or opinion or attitude or belief about that so that it doesn't emotionally consume us. Absolutely. In fact, you know, it really is about almost embracing the fact that whatever it is that we've, that has hurt us has happened. And yeah. it's, it's an honest assessment and realization and acceptance of the past. But that wisdom part that it talks about in that prayer, I love because, you you know, when you start to analyze it in that fashion, you realize that it's in the past and you can't change it. It, It's, it's come, it's, it's, it's done. The only thing you can Mm -hmm. change is the future. Um, And the future is still a a blank open book and it may be influenced obviously by the past, but just the realization that you have a power to frame how it's going to impact that future. That's what makes all the difference. It can frame it for, continued negativity and continued uh, impediment of progress, or it can be, the past can be embraced and won't into the fabric of your life. And you can say, I'm going to, you know, based on these experiences, good or bad, I am going to create the best life possible going forward. So the common phrase, it is what it is, which sounds dismissive or even annoying sometimes. It's really a statement of truth. It is what it is. And as you realized, even sitting there in that damaged vehicle, I can't undo this. It is what it, here it is. Now, what am I going to do with it? That's it. I think the hardest aspect of that then becomes the emotions that come mm-hmm. from that, 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 you know, we're chemical beings as well as I believe spiritual beings, but boy, those chemicals can really, you know, oh, wreck yeah. your day. You can, you can f- have the grief um, and the pain and the suffering. And, and you're it, supposed to. You are supposed to, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I guess the, it can get to a point where, where it's not productive. 
And that's, right. I think, where you need to be very careful. It's one thing to grieve and to miss, but it's another to let that grief then turn into anger and hate and and really just become a poison mm. that just absolutely takes you off of that growth path. I, I am thinking of a quotation from Tim Hansel. Um, he said, pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. Now, that's interesting, especially if you equate pain with misery. Mm-hmm. Um, pain doesn't mean that you're doing this wrong. I, I, I jumped in there, Chris, and said you're supposed to feel those things because you are. Yes. How are you supposed to feel if your family is killed? Well, you're supposed to feel exactly the way you felt that because you love these people. Of course you're going to feel that. But then the misery part is different from that. And that's what I think you're getting at when you talk about let it go. That's exactly it. In fact, I've, I've realized that I can let that pain do one of two things. I can, it can take me further away from my family, from my wife and my children that you know, I believe are still living, but on the other side of a, of a veil, so to speak. Right. Um, and I can, or I can let that pain increase my love for them. And mm-hmm. so as, as hard as that separation in it is, as hard as it is to feel that separation from them and as painful as it is to, you know, want to be with them and want to have them by my side and and me by theirs. uh, I have chosen to let that pain enlarge the love and appreciation that I have for them. So even though those moments that come are difficult to pass through, um, interestingly, I I find that at the end of those times of grief and, and, uh, sometimes loneliness, sometimes desiring to be with them. I find myself just absolutely appreciating them more than I ever did when I was with them. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I'm I'm working to make sure that those are positive experiences of grief and pain uh, versus th- things that w- would derail my my progress forward. Mm-hmm. I just had an image come to my mind, Chris. You probably remember. Well, let let me think which book this was. Oh, I was thinking it was where the red fern grows. Actually, it is. I think. (laughs) Or it was Summer of the Monkeys. Either way, it was a Wilson Rawls book. I think it was uh, where the red fern grows because this kid was out um, hunting raccoons, right? With Annie and the other dog's name. Yeah, the two dogs. With Dan and Ann. Old Dan Dan and Little Ann. Okay, so this is the one. But to get his first coon skin to train his dogs, he had to trap a raccoon. And do you remember how he did it? He bored a hole in a log and drove nails into that at an angle so that the raccoon could get his paw into, but then there's a shiny object down there that the raccoon would grab onto and hold onto, and now his fist being balled up could not pass those nails that were driven into the hole, and he was trapped there as long as he hung on to whatever the object was. That was the image that just came back to my mind. All that raccoon would have to do is let it go. That's it. And then he would be free. And that image just came to me as an analogy of what we're talking about here. So what does it mean for you, dear listener? What, what is it that you're hanging on to that's got you stuck? It could be a grievance. It would have been easy for you, Chris, to form a huge grievance against God, against the world, against this young man who chose to partake of substances that caused him to be intoxicated. You could have had all kinds of grievances, and maybe you experimented with a few of those. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not saying you're perfect. Uh, I'm not perfect, that's for sure. Because you're probably not. But it would be easy to go that direction. Letting that go allowed you to create some very different outcomes than you would have experienced had you gone that direction. Do you believe that? I absolutely believe that. It's interesting because I've also found that there are those in society that sometimes um, encourage us in, our, in those negative behaviors. I think they oftentimes want yeah. to feel justified in their inability to let it go. So they kind of pile on the misery. It's a, it becomes a pity party, but, but they're actively <laughs> trying yeah. to, to join the pity party as well. Well, um, and there's cultural traditions along those lines, too. I can't even listen to the news anymore because it's along those lines. You know, look how terrible things are kind of a thing. I don't appreciate that. Yeah, there's a, a mob mentality that, uh, you know, it's easy. It's quick to violence. It's quick to yeah. anger and, and quick to retribution and, and very slow to let it go. So it might be some kind of a grievance, but it might be an attachment that you need to let go. I think there's a the, the false expectation that by taking that path of, of vengeance or justice that you can impact, you know, your your feelings, that's, that somehow that retribution will make you feel better. You feel better, and I think right. that's really the, the lie, mm. is that it doesn't. I mean, you might, you might go and exact that justice, and, and you're, you'll, you'll probably feel, and I feel, you'll definitely feel much more miserable than even before, because nothing has changed. In fact, it's even worse. Create a whole new set of problems. Okay. So if you're paying attention as you're listening to me and Chris have this conversation... There's something that would that would really serve you well to let go of. Something. If it's a grievance, let it go. When? Now. Chris, today. you're the <laughs> fan of today, right? In fact, this is your website. Let it go today dot com. Did I get that right? That's correct. Let it go today dot com. Today is probably the best time to do it. Because tomorrow's more expensive and yesterday's not an option. So now's good. Now's great. Right? It's fantastic. If it's a grievance, if it's an attachment, if it's, if it's a misbehavior, if it's a bad habit, if it's a belief about yourself or a member of your family, what is it that you need to let go of? And can you let it go today? Is it really that simple, Chris? It is. It, well, it begins that simply. Absolutely. I mean, there... As I mentioned, there's 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 strong days and then there's weak days. Sure. And there's um, times when you're can be very committed to it and maintain it, and then there's times when you feel like you really really need help. Right. Uh, and hopefully you've got those those either belief structures or social structures in place. If not, that's you know a good place to start to focus. Uh, but it it begins that simply though that you just have to commit and say you know today I'm going to let it go. And simple and easy aren't the same thing. So. It is simple. It's not always that easy. Correct. Let it go. That's the theme today. Uh, fantastic book by the same title. Let it go. By our guest and friend, Chris Williams. Again, the website, letitgotoday.com. Chris, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Everybody, it's time to live on purpose. <laughs>